Blog Talk Radio. Good evening to another segment of the Cisco and Falzone Hour of Broadcast and Politics with Cisco Costa and Mark Falzone. Tonight we have a special guest, a nation homeless expert, community advocate, and president of the New York Central Park South Civic Association, Michael Fisher, to discuss the crisis level homeless epidemic the highest number since the American Great Depression in the 30s. Mr. Michael Fisher will be here in five minutes. Well, we have, we can count this as a victory. The Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down that little tyrant governor, Tony Evers, in Wisconsin, considering saying the lockdown orders were unlawful and unenforceable. He wanted to keep these individuals in Wisconsin, in the cheese country of the United States, locked up for the rest of the summer. I'm glad. Let's, let's, take, let's take a bow for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. We still have some decent individuals out there who believe in freedom and liberty. So we need to see California do the same thing. We need to see Michigan with that little witch. Uh, we need New York with that whiny boy Cuomo, you know, who uh, gets all the attention, but, you know, kills more seniors. You know, if, you, if you've heard, if you haven't heard, this individual intentionally put infected people in nursing homes that had coronavirus. But, you know, the CNNs of the world and the MSNBC, he's a superstar. He's an icon. Boy, he's killing off the seniors. Same thing in New Jersey, Cisco. Same exact situation. Yeah, with little, little, little Murphy, little uh, dictator Murphy in New Jersey. And, you know, uh, another witch, Kate Brown in Oregon. You know, it's like they're trying to outdo themselves. Okay, let me, who, who's going to please the NWO? Who's going to please the globalists? Who? Which one of us can control the American people and lock them down all summer so they, they, they cannot come out? But this is you're going to like this, Mark. The governor, another little tyrant in Washington, Washington Governor Jay Esley, Isolis. Did you know what he said on May 12th? And, uh, and of course, CNN and, and, and all the traditional fake news have not reported. So the Washington governor said to in his conference, that if you refuse a coronavirus test or, help, or do not help, you know, they have this new thing called contact and tracing because they want to see if, if, if you are infected, they'll put it on, on, a, on an app on your phone and basically they can follow you and monitor you and surveil you, you know. Well, he said on May 12th that if you don't, if you refuse a coronavirus test or help the tracers, which are, hey, there's a lot of jobs opening for contact tracers, that you won't be allowed to leave your home for groceries. Is this the new, the new United Soviet State of America? Wait, so, Little so, so tyrant. The I mean, is willing to starve us to death. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Unless I'm saying, yes. Governor Jay Islet of the great state of Washington, he, they got to get rid of him. But one of, if this is great in one way, because they, the Democrat governors have been exposed as little tyrants. You know, they want to imitate China. You know how China treats their people? They lock them down. You cannot do this. They have drones so, you know, telling them, hey, you got to keep six feet apart. Hey, you cannot leave. That's what the Democrats want. They want that actual control. Anyway, I had that's my rant, Mark. Before we bring on the guests, let's let's hear your rant. Okay, my my rant over this Flynn situation. Now uh-huh. this political hack, renegade, lawless judge is holding up his instructions from senior management, and he's breaking with protocol setting these malevolent precedents. Now, a judge is calling in another judge to testify on behalf of the government. 
I thought the government told him uh, drop the charges. You know, his his uh, superiors, that being right. the AG and the president, told him drop the charges. Now I I know what the Dems are doing. They're going to try and drag this out, stall it, and milk it like the sons of bitches that they are. But their goal is to force Trump. This is what I feel what's going on. To force Trump to do a pardon so then they can piss and moan even louder. This is the trap that's set for Trump. I believe he realizes it uh, because he's always been one step ahead of these creeps. I mean, all they have is lies and deception. But uh, that's my rant, that this judge. And the sin is we have the same situation in New Jersey with our Supreme Court, fully renegade. Fully lawless. Okay. Like, Definitely. We, we had an illegal senator for six years. But anyway, yeah, know. let's bring in our let's, uh, Yeah, let's bring on our guest, uh, Mr. Fisher. This is Mike. Mike, how are you? Uh, good to talk to you I'm again. I'm doing great. All uh, right. I, 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 I formally introduce you. Uh, we have our, our co-host, uh, Mr. Mark Falzone. Uh, Hello. On the air. This is Michael, uh, Mr. Nice Michael Fisher. Michael, it's great to have you. Um, we want to we want to cover a lot of these uh, issues in regards to the homeless crisis that we have. But uh, I, intru- I briefly introduce you, but maybe you can expand on it. Well, sure. So I'm uh, president of the Central Park South Civic Association. We're a group of uh, residents of New York City that are uh, speaking up against a lot of issues that politicians just kind of drop the ball on. I mean, uh, and the homeless crisis is one of those issues. I mean, the homeless crisis is becoming a complete disaster in the city. And uh, so we're fighting the city to, to start doing the right things and, uh, you know, uh, get, putting together programs to, to move the homeless people off the streets, off the subways, off public transportation, you get them into rehabilitation. There's no rehabilitation programs that exist right now. And, uh, you know, the, the homeless crisis in New York City is, is, is worse than the Depression, the Great Depression. I mean, it's really bad right now. Definitely. Uh, well, one of the things that really uh, inspired me to, to uh, bring a guest with the expertise that you have is that based on the research uh, that I've been doing in regards to uh, – Home, the homeless crisis, there's five states, well, four states in the District of Columbia that comprise for 35% of all the homeless uh, in the country. I mean, they only comprise for 20% of the population, but they comprise for, let me see, I think it was, yeah, 35% of the homeless crisis, and that is New York. Hawaii, Oregon, and California. Why would you, um, how would you analyze that in regards to why those five states, four states in, in the District of Columbia to have the highest amount? Of- well, I mean, the largest amount are, are, ca- are California and New York. And, and the reason why is because, number one, the, um, you know, the pol- politicians incentivize homeless homeless people to want to come to their cities and uh, make it their home and live on the streets. I mean, New York, for example, on, in California, they, they give them a monthly allowance, you know. I mean, it's not a lot of money, but they give them a monthly allowance. And in New York City, they're, they're putting them up in fancy five-star hotels. So why not, you know? And uh, so as long as they continue to allow this to happen, you're going to continue to see the population grow. A lot of them are mentally ill. A lot of them are on the streets. They don't go into shelters, and probably a lot of them don't even go into the hotels. But, you know, uh, right. and, and the, the ones on the street are just it, – it's continuing to grow, and, and uh, de Blasio in, the, in New York doesn't want to do mm-hmm. anything about it. He just wants to leave them on the streets. It's, it doesn't make That's any true. sense. It's, it's actually mind-boggling, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I stand to be correct. It's not 35. It's 45% of the country's mm-hmm. homeless population is comprised of those four states yes. plus the District of mm-hmm. Columbia. I thought it, uh, I was incorrect with saying 35%. Now, there, according to 
information I got uh, from New York City, the city of New York uh, and, and de Blasio, they have a budget specifically for the homeless to ship them they out to, to different parts. I think it was $80 million. I mean, that's outrageous. Well, you know, you mean to ship them out of the state, you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly. I mean, uh, yeah, they, they don't have a conscience either. I mean, they'll stick them in uh, – They'll stick them in unsafe buildings, buildings that are fire traps. They they right. really don't care what they do with them. They stay, they let them stay on the streets. They let them stay in the uh, the subway cars. I mean, the subways have been a complete disaster for the city, especially with the corona, coronavirus. So, you know, I'm willing to you know wager right now that uh, quite a bit of the virus is spread throughout the city and New Jersey uh, because you have a lot of people that commute on those trains and you have quite a bit of the homeless people that have been living on the trains with carrying the virus and spreading it to those people. And it's been right. going on for months and months. And uh, it's really a very dangerous situation. You know, what I find interesting is, you know, down uh, up above the ground, you know, the mayor, you know, started to get really strict about wearing masks and, uh, you know, standing six feet apart from everybody and being very strict about it. Yet below the ground, I mean, there's, there's no rules. There are no rules in the subway cars and the, and the subway Cars are, I mean, it's a petri dish on wheels. I mean, it, uh, it's where you have the greatest probability of growing the virus is right in those subway cars. And so the reason why, you know, New York has, they report 343,000 people that have gotten the virus and uh, quite a few deaths, but I'm willing to bet that numbers are much higher than that, much, much higher than that. Well, I would say that the majority of the deaths uh, of coronavirus that have been in nursing homes. Which basically, and, and that's, a, that's a totally different uh, subject, but, yeah. uh, but they've been, they were infected, people were pushed into nursing homes. Uh, and they were, the, majority, yeah. the majority of the deaths uh, have occurred from the nursing homes. And I think the other part of it is what you just said. The, the, um, the individuals, the homeless, who are spreading the virus within the train compartments, and, and, and sleeping because they do sleep now. I mean, I, when I was growing up, and I remember my dad taking the train, taking the number one, number two train uh, on the Upper West Side, and and even at night, you would never see homeless people sleeping on the train. I don't know if you would call no, that. It, no, not at all. I mean, now it, it's so bad. I mean. There were a couple of people, the homeless people that were uh, sleeping on the trains that the subways that passed away on the subways I mean, that they found. I mean, it's, it's really horrible. I mean, they're defecating on the subways or urinating on the subway cars. You know, that right. in itself creates a very, very unhealthy situation. They're doing the same things in the streets. I mean, the, you know, my opinion, the, you know, the mayor and the governor uh, have abandoned the homeless. I mean, they, they've abandoned them to just leave them, you know, where they want to stay and that's it. Uh, they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll put them into expensive hotel rooms all over the place. I mean, it, the city has a budget of $3 billion uh, to take care of the homeless situation. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, obviously we're seeing a huge, continue to see a huge growth in that population. And, you know, unfortunately what's going to happen um, in the next probably three or four, maybe five months is that um, there are a lot of people that are living uh, without paychecks and they're going to be forced to leave their apartments and potentially live on the streets. Maybe they'll be become alcoholics or drug addicts, and they'll become members of the homeless population. And the, the mayor, and shame on him, has absolutely no programs whatsoever to bring these people into modern facilities to rehabilitate them, to help them get back into jobs and, and get them in affordable housing. And, right. uh, you know, with, with all of the empty buildings there are, I mean, we have um, – you know, military bases that want to, you know, the government closed down. I mean, you've got hospitals that have been closed down. You've got uh, empty buildings that used to be hotels. I mean, you've got federal, between the federal and the state governments, you've got so much land and buildings you can use to house these people at a much le less cost and actually re get them off the streets and get them rehabilitated. But our politicians don't, don't want anything to do with that. They just feel it's just, it's easier to leave them on the streets kick the can down the road to the next politician and they continue to do that. And we're going to see huge, huge upsurge in homelessness um, on the streets and uh, mentally ill homeless people. And uh, you're going to see, you know, high suicide rates there and you're going to see, uh, 
you know, people dying at younger ages because, I mean, their, their immune systems are weak. They don't eat well. They don't, you know, right. they don't uh, drink a lot of water. And it's, it's a bad situation overall. Definitely. And one of the things that... Can I chime in in here on one point that um, our guest made about the politicians' incompetency and not planning ahead and laying it off for future administrations? I believe it's not just that. I believe that of these billions of dollars, somehow these local politicians are pocketing the money because it's usually always Mm -hmm. about the money. And I know... Well, you make a good point. Thank you. You make a very, very good point. I mean, what, what right now what the what the, the mayor is doing is he created in his second term a program called Turn the Tie Program, where he's uh, renting out ninety buildings from uh, slumlords uh, and to, to as shelters, and they're going to have these companies that they hire on the outside uh, to to manage these shelters. So you know they get a lot of political donations from these people. And and the the people that run these shelters and uh, the people that own these buildings, the slumlords, are making millions and millions of dollars. And of course, the the homeless people aren't benefiting from it at all, really, because yeah, the homeless it. most of the homeless the people not go into these facilities. Yep, yep. The uh, b- bottom line is, uh, it's just all about the money with these guys. That that this is homelessness is a big business to the political class. It is. Yeah, well, one one of the things that is always brought up is affordable housing, affordable housing, mm-hmm. and also the the issue with regulations. You know that that zoning zones, zoning codes. That the reason that we cannot build affordable housing in in these areas is because uh, certain uh, cities and states have these codes that have to be followed. Is that a lame excuse? Right. The, the, uh, the return on investment, uh, why would you build affordable housing when the return on investment will be almost nil? Uh, yeah. And a matter of fact, that's a big issue here in New Jersey because they're destroying communities by forcing them to build affordable, you know, low-income affordable housing. And it's, it's like, hold on a second. Uh, you know, if, if you go to my Facebook page, I have... Mr. Rogers with Obama's face imposed on it. And instead of saying, let me be your neighbor, it's let me pick your neighbor. And this is all part of the racist attitudes that are readily accepted by people of color towards white people. Now, no, I'm not a white nationalist. No, I'm not a white supremacist. But come on, you got to call it what it is, baby. I know, but... Let, uh, Michael, so in regards to that, uh, the, the the whole uh, narrative that comes up that the reason, you know, it's it's uh, affordable housing, uh, well, we can't do affordable housing because it's, you know, the city, the state, you know, they, they, they have all these zoning, zoning codes and we can't change them. Lame well, excuse, I mean, right? a lot of it's monetary. A lot of it is they just don't have the funds. I mean, what the state and the the state and the federal government need to partnership together and meet, you know, and have meetings together, uh, maybe have a, a summit and talk about the, the affordable housing because they, they just don't have enough funds for it. It's so expensive, you know, especially building it in the city. But like I've said, I mean, you've got. I mean, I was driving through not too long ago, Fort the old Fort Monmouth. I mean, it's a it's a, a military base that was closed down. I mean. There's tons of buildings there. I mean, you could convert into affordable housing. I mean, there's so many things in so many ways. That's a big story. That, that is a big story because, first of all, I live right near there, and I live in the congressional okay. district. It's included it. And our congressman, okay. Pallone, didn't lift a <laughs> finger to prevent that. And then later on, Tea Party buds I knew down in Maryland told me that his father-in-law was buying up the property around the existing base that they would be expanding because they were absorbing some of the Fort Monmouth operations. Uh, <laughs> I emailed people about it, law enforcement, check this out, because uh, uh, to me, this is just another day at the, at, at the races with, these polit- with this political class, and Cologne in particular. 
Yeah, well, Pallone is a Well, the problem was with some of these politicians like Pallone and, you know, and some of the other politicians is that they've just been in office too long. You know, I mean, I, I blame this on, you know, uh, I blame it on residents and citizens. You know, people need to use their vote. You need, need to get out there and vote these people out of office because they've been in office no, too long. Tried. And, you know, they're, they're, we, yeah. we've tried several election cycles. I tried myself, sir. I was uh, <laughs> on the 2010. Yeah, I was in the 2010 Democratic congressional primary. Uh, I was on the first ballot printing. Uh, but then uh, about uh, a dozen lawyers took me to court, and I was knocked off the ballot. <laughs> now, in addition to that, we've done massive groundswell operations to get in candidates. And the district, you see, here's the problem. The problem is gerrymandering. The district that Pallone is in is pathetic. If you look at it on the map, uh, there's sections of it that are just one highway going down to geographically connected to another. You couldn't even make a jigsaw piece out of New Jersey congressional districts. It, it, that, to me, is should be a major issue, this, this gerrymandering. And the Democrats have seen to it in New Jersey that it's very difficult to get someone out of office like Pallone. Yeah. But oh, that, that, that's for another show. We'll we'll, we'll touch on 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 the on the corrupt politicians. <laughs> another show. You got you guys uh, want to talk about it's China? It's about corrupt politicians, though. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, but we want to focus on uh, we want to focus on the homeless issue because Michael is a homeless expert on this. Uh, so you you've been in contact with this uh, Winsome Pendergrass, a Brooklyn-based organizer. In regards for organizing with the New York communities for changes to help tenants in regards to paying the rents during the COVID-19, how is that coming along? Well, actually, I have not been involved with that. It does sound okay, like a good program, though. But I have not been involved. No, I have not been involved okay. with that. But it so does sound like a good program. I'd, I'd like to connect my name to that, but I, I'm not involved with that. Is there some plans, uh, things that you've been doing in regards to rent, uh, free, uh, postpone rent for a lot of these individuals who have lost their jobs? I mean, New York City is a major, major center for service workers, you know, restaurants, bars, uh, a lot of these mm-hmm. individuals, you know. And, and, you know, the cost of living in, in living in New York in the five boroughs is outrageous. What 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 things have you seen that you've been doing? You know uh, your organization, the the uh, Central Park South Civic Association. I mean, we're we're really focusing on the. I mean, there's just so many problems in the city and so many challenges. We're focusing really on the homeless issue, and we were focusing on trying to get the politicians to get the homeless off the the subways. We've been trying to work. We've been working on that for several months now, and okay. uh, they just you know they did they just are they won't do it they for whatever reason they feel like uh that they have a right to sleep on the subways they have a right to stay there and make it their homes and uh they will not do it and what they did come up with was closing the subways down between one and five o'clock a.m so what happens is the homeless leave the subways at uh, 5 a.m they move on to uh, sleep on buses public public transportation buses and uh, and then uh, then when the subways open up again, they go back on the subways. You know, maybe uh, um, the number that I'm looking at is about 100 people actually, 100 homeless people actually went from the subways in, into uh, shelters. The rest of them go back to the subways to sleep. And again, you know, that creates, you know, a very, very, very dangerous situation for our essential workers. You know, people that are working in hospitals, police, firefighters, so on and so forth. And, it's very uh, dangerous. They, yeah, very, it's a very, very dangerous situation. Yeah. And, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have, have gotten sick from there. I mean, you know, as far as people losing, not being able to afford to live in their apartments and maybe even being forced to live on the streets, I mean, I think that um, we need to open the city up. I mean, we can't keep the city closed. If you open the city up and people can get back to work and everything, you know, I think that that's going to be a good situation. Um, you know, get, get people back out into jobs. That's really what's going to, um, you know, solve the problem. As long as we keep the city closed, um, 
you know, and I, for whatever reason, they, they're going to try to keep the city closed longer. But, but as long as you keep that city closed, you're going to have more and more problems. You're going to see an upsurge, an uptick in crime. There's already been an uptick in crime in the city. There's been an uptick in crime in the subways, and it's getting really bad. So, um, you know, we, we got to open up. We have to open up the city, and you have to get the homeless people. The other thing is, is you got to get these homeless people tested for the virus. They're not right. investing any money in testing the homeless people. You know, they, they tell you how much they want to help the homeless. They're, they stick the homeless in these um, shelters right next to each other, you know. And so, of course, they get the virus and they pass it on to other people. I mean, the, the, there's, there's no statistics right now in terms of how many homeless people have the virus, but I'm willing to bet quite a few are either carriers or have it, and they're spreading right. it. And so I think the root of the problem has to be, you know, getting – getting the homeless people off the subways, getting them, you know, what they could do, what I've suggested that they do is, is create what I call portable shelters. I mean, we built these portable hospitals. Uh, you have Javits Center where you have thousands of beds that aren't being used. I mean, get them off, get them into these facilities, get them off the streets, and, uh, and then open up the city in a more healthy environment, you know, and get people back to work. That's going to be the solution to this. That's the solution to people not losing their homes and, and, and uh, you know, being able to put food on their table. Otherwise, how about, you know, otherwise it's going to be a disaster. How, how about how about in regards to opening up some mental institutions? You know, uh, they've, they've been closed. Yeah. They've closed down. That I think that would help. Uh, I mean, I don't. The only one I remember that was focusing on on in New York City as I was growing up was Bellevue in regards to handling a lot of mental uh, mental patients, but mm-hmm. they've closed down so many. I mean, in, in Westchester County and in, in, in different parts of Queens and in Brooklyn uh, over the years, wouldn't bringing those back, those facilities back, help a lot of these individuals? Well, you know, I think part of the problem is that, you know, we, we don't want to call them mental institutions because I think that that just has a really bad, you know, connotation okay. to it. I think you have to you know, we have to create modern rehabilitation facilities, you know, that are okay. modern and, you know, people go in and the purpose of these facilities are to help people not to make the, not to make it permanent homes for people. Now, you're not going to be able to help everybody. We know that there are people that are so far out there mentally ill, there's not much you can do. So, you know, then you need, you need residences, you know, modern residences, maybe on a military, you know, a military base that now is closed down. You can maybe put them in facilities like that. Uh, but you're right. We need rehabilitation facilities. Absolutely. I mean, what happens is, you know, when people go through bad times, they, they go to drugs, they go to alcohol. And then there are, of course, there are those that are mentally ill that need to be medicated, but when they're on the streets, they're not medicated. And so we need to help these people. That's the bottom line. And, you know, it has to be win-win for everybody. I mean, you know, having thousands and thousands of homeless people living on the streets is unhealthy for the people that live in the, in the city. You know, it's unhealthy. For example, at Grand Central Station, there's, a, there's been a real huge uptick in homeless people living there, and people that own restaurants there are losing customers because the customers don't want to go in, in, near the restaurants because there's so many homeless people laying around there and sleeping. So, I mean, it's not right. fair to the people that own those businesses. It's not fair to the people that live in the city and, you know, pay these taxes to live in the city. And it's not fair to them to have billions of dollars that are just wasted uh, on programs that don't even work. Um, so it really has to be win-win. And right now it just isn't a win-win situation at all. So basically it, it's happening in California. In California, the four major cities that have the highest homeless number of people are L.A., San Francisco, San Jose, and Santa Rosa. And people always say, well, the homeless people would basically go because it's warmer. But then you look at the state of Florida and Texas, and they have lower numbers of homeless people. So the weather is not the issue when it comes to being homeless or, or wanting to be homeless. Well, you know, I have to tell you that the, the homeless problem is becoming a national crisis. It's it's growing everywhere. I mean, even in Texas, you know, it, it, it's growing there. I mean, uh, wa- uh, the state of Washington, you know, Seattle, it, it's it's really growing a lot there. Um, New Orleans has a big problem now. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada has has a big problem there. I mean, 
in San Francisco in the Tenderloin section of uh, San Francisco, the yeah. homeless population just recently has grown 300% in the neighborhoods. Um, and part of that problem is is they, they welcome them in. They, they allow them to stay there. They allow them to defecate on the streets and urinate on the streets. It's, it's okay. It's not a crime. They allow them to go into stores and actually rob these stores, and they don't arrest them because if they arrest them, they let them out anyway. Um, they, yes. and they give them an allowance every month. So the, pro- the problem is be- being created by politicians. It's not, you know, the people, the, these people need help. They, they're crying for help. They need help. I, bl- I don't blame this on them, on the homeless people. I don't blame the people that are, you know, using drugs on the street. I blame it on the politicians that are, are not doing anything about it and are allowing this thing to get way out of control. And as I say, it has to be a win-win situation. And right now, uh, the residents of San Francisco are losing. I mean, they're paying very high taxes to live. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, politicians, for whatever reason, tend to, you know, want to stick it to these people that have money for whatever reason. It's, it's almost as if it's a crime to have money. Well, look, you know, in the great, greatest country in the world, and if you work hard, you can make money. And if, if your goal is to live in a, you know, million-dollar or $5 million property, that's your business. You know, but they shouldn't be penalized for it. And yet these politicians want to penalize people that make money by allowing these things to happen in their cities, you know, and, uh, you know, you are, it's, it's really a shame. You are absolutely correct. I mean, I was in San Francisco and San Jose, which are the two cities a, a couple of years ago. And we were right on Fisherman's Wharf and on, uh, at the uh, at the pier because we one of my dreams as a kid was I want to go. I watched uh the bird with uh out, no escaping yes. from Alca, escaping from Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, I do remember Bert that. Lancaster, and I said, when, if when I get older and I have a chance, I want to go to Alcatraz. And I was with my son. We went to a wrestling event, and we went to you know we we went to the pier. We took the uh, the, the the little boat to uh to Alcatraz, but just waiting to get on the boat. I mean, the homeless was, they were everywhere. I mean, everywhere. And it was sad to see that. And such a beautiful city that has been destroyed. I mean, San Francisco has a budget of almost, I think, four or five million dollars. It's called the poop, cleaning up poop uh, budget. So they now, do that from four. You know, wait, wait a second. Can I well, tell I, well, you? Doesn't I'll tell you who should be really have... embarrassed about this. I tell you, you should be very embarrassed about this. Is Nancy Pelosi? I mean, that's yes. her district over there. Yeah, and exactly. uh, she's done out. You know, she. You know what? I, what I find to be very sad is is watching her on uh, being interviewed on television in her kitchen with her, you know, fifty thousand dollar refrigerator and the most expensive yeah. ice cream that she's bragging about. You know, maybe take the ice cream and bring it out to the homeless and help them. You know, she's got a, a fenced in property. You know, a gated property where people oh, can't yeah. get into. I, I I find this. You know, again, it goes back to these people have been in office too long. They, you know, you get to a point where you're in office so long that you forget about reality. Reality, you know, if you're a politician and, and you don't know reality and you can't deal and you don't, you know, meet reality head on, then you need to leave mm-hmm. office. And we need to vote them out. That's the problem is, is we, people are apathetic today. They don't get involved. They, they, a lot of people don't vote. And they, they complain all the time about how terrible things are but they don't vote and they don't speak up. You know, it's tough to speak up. I know, you know, just being part of the uh, Central Park, uh, Central Park Civic Association that, you know, when you speak up with politicians and everything, they, they don't want, they don't listen anyway. It's a very difficult thing. But if you speak up and you get a large mass of people that suddenly are going to say, we are going to vote you out of office unless you start doing the right things, then they're going to start listening. And that's what our organization is about. We're trying, what we're trying to do is, is, is get as many people as we can to join uh, so that we can have, you know, a voice with, with the politicians and, and be able to hold them accountable. And people like Pelosi need to be held accountable. I mean, she's, a, she's been a complete disaster. It really a disaster. Yeah. It's a shame. She lives, she lives in, in Pacific, Pacific, uh, Pacific uh, Heights, which is one of the richest areas in San Francisco. I mean, it's overlooking the, the, the Golden Gate Bridge, I mean, in, in the Bay Area. I mean, it's stunning. Uh, and listen, and there's, but, nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with living in a, in, a gate, in a beautiful gated community. There's nothing wrong with that. No, so, no, no, of course It's not. a wonderful thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with living in Billionaire's Row in New York City if you can afford it. 
It's a, it's a great thing about this country. But if you're yeah. going to live in these communities and, and you're going to just turn your head, you know, and look away from, you know, the homeless crisis and look away from people that are, you know, don't have what you have and you're not going to try to help these people, then I have a problem with that. I really do. Yeah. It's the same thing I, in New I, York. I, I mean, the politicians just turn their heads. They don't they, – they, they, they just, you know, for them, it's, it's easy to leave them, uh, the homeless, to live on the streets because for them, they, they feel like, you know, if, you, if they remove them from the streets, then they're, you know, makes them look like they're racist or something, which I completely disagree with that whole thought process. You know, we're removing them from the street, therefore we're racist. I mean, to me, it's, it, you're a racist if you leave them on the streets and you don't help them. That's the exactly. way I look at it. I mean, these people are dying on the streets. You need to help them. They're, and again, it goes back to you know, it has to be a win-win situation for everybody, for the homeless and for the people that live in these communities. Whether you have a billion dollars or you have a million dollars or you have $100,000 or $10,000 in the bank account, you know, we should all be able to live in a comfortable environment where we feel safe in. And uh, Rita, right now it's getting worse and worse and people are not, are not feeling safe in these communities. And there's a huge upsurge in crime in these communities as a result of this. We need to vote these people have, out of office. That's the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, you have the same. You have the same thing in L.A. with Skid Row. Yep. Now, Skid if Skid Row was basically created as a redevelopment, recommended so that basically homeless would be centralized in Skid Row to protect against gentrification. That was the excuse. Right. And if you go, if you ever if you've been in, in L.A., you you see that. Basically, it's horrible. Sacramento, California. I was there last year. Mm-hmm. Near the governor, the gov- governor of, of California, there's another section of Skid Row for 20 blocks. I mean, you know, yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree with that. See, me personally, I have no problem with making a city look great and bring in nice real estate and you know, um, make it, you know, I mean, I think you need to have affordable housing in there too, but I, I think, you know, the look, bottom line is, is the p- people who come in and buy these places or rent these places, or they're the ones paying the taxes, you know? So if these people leave the cities, they're not, they're going to be bankrupt and broke these cities. And these politicians aren't going to have any money to spend. They love to spend, they love to spend money. They love to spend money on programs that don't work. That doesn't make any sense to me either. Well, with New York City, we, we basically, de Blasio came out and, and, and Governor Cuomo, and they, gave, they provided health care for individuals that are not supposed to be in this country. They provided medical, driver's license. I mean, it, a lot of money, $500 million. First of all, take care of the American people first, <laughs> the people who live here. Instead of basically well, tell you, here, here, here's how I stand on that. Here, here's kind of my position on that whole thing. First of all, we welcomed a lot of the illegal immigrants into this country to take jobs that most people wouldn't take. We welcomed them in. It was okay. Politicians were fine with it. Companies were fine with it. You know, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, all these places are just, it's okay, right? Now all of a sudden we're not fine with it. And, uh, you know, but they're here. So, I mean, to a certain extent, you have, to, you have to take care of these people, too, because they're here, and they get ill, they get sick, they need hospitalization, they need medical care. So there's a responsibility there. I mean, we shouldn't have been letting them in illegally to begin with. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. bottom line. Let them in legally. Create programs that make it legal for them to come in here. But we exactly. created these problems, you know, and so they're here, and, and you know, to some, you have to take care of them, too. I mean, look – I mean, we don't want them laying out, sleeping on the streets either. I mean, a lot of these people pay taxes too. A lot of them pay taxes and they pay into Social Security. Um, so and there's a, there, there are a lot of amazing, amazing people that unfortunately they're illegal aliens, but um, we need to do something about that too to help them at this point because um, it doesn't do, us any, doesn't do anybody any good leaving it the way it is. Uh, but we need to apply our laws more aggressively and not allowing illegal aliens to come in to begin with. And if we do that, then we're not going to have these problems. Again, politicians, vote them out of office, the ones that don't do anything to resolve to solve these problems. Get them out. Get rid of them. I no, I agree. I I agree with you. I'm just I'm just I'm you know when you when you're saying that there's no there there seems to be no money for to take care of homeless the homeless crisis, which a lot of there is money. There's three billion. There's so much money out there. I mean. 
they're just not spending it. They're not, they're not addressing the problem the right way. They're not addressing the problem, but they are addressing other problems, other issues that are not as important yeah. as taking care of. Because a lot, of the, a lot of the homeless people are basically, a lot of them are veterans who serve our country. Yeah. And they should come yeah. first before anyone else. Mark, go ahead. No, that's okay. I, I just I'm following along on this one. Okay. But, this, yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think we need to try to be. We have to should be compassion, show compassion for everybody. You know, we really do in this country. I think that's what that's what makes this one of the greatest countries in the world is to show passion for these people. I just think that we need to. You know, the, the state and the federal government needs to. We need to partner with them, and we need to really sit down, bring in the experts. And really work on coming up with solutions to the, the problems that we're that we we're told we've been discussing this evening. Um, and I think if we do that, I think we we can definitely, you know, reduce the number of homeless people on the streets. We could also reduce the number of illegal aliens that are coming into the country. I mean, that's an important thing for us to do as well as reducing the numbers coming in here. But the ones that are here, I mean, you can't abandon them either. You can't abandon them either. It's just not it's just not the right thing to do, at least from my point of view. No, no, I, I don't know. I don't disagree with you on that. I just think that there has to be a limit. We have to uh, apply the law, the rule of, of law here. Immigration, legal immigration, perfect. Illegal immigration, no way. Okay, you have to follow. You go to any other country, and they're going to basically question you. Why are you here? I mean, I lived in Canada, uh, in right. Ottawa, and when I got mm-hmm. there. The customs said, you're here for, I'm here, well, I was hired by the Canadian Council government to do technology work for, and they said, okay, your job, could a Canadian do your job? And they said, well, apparently they, they were not able to find someone who can do that. And I was allowed. I mean, they questioned you. And, and then they let you in. But it appears that we don't have, we don't really apply our immigration laws that are on the book. No, because you have, you have two different parties. You have Republican Party and Democratic Party. And I think the Democratic Party wants, wants them to come in because that represents potential votes for them. So, you know, there's a lot of that going on as well. And uh, yeah. we need to, you know, the Republicans and the Democrats need to come together and come up with a uh, policy <laughs> oh, with regard to I'm sorry, I had to laugh at that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I had to laugh. You know, we've had nothing but three years of deception. But, you know, I wanted to go into what Cisco was talking about, his entry into Canada. I worked for AT&T, and a friend uh, who had a specific expertise in the telco industry Telefona de Mexico requested AT&T send this guy down there. The hoops, now they requested him to come down. The hoops that not only he, but AT&T had a jump through that were put up by the Mexican government almost prevented him from going down there and doing whatever the hell it was that they wanted him to do. But he he sent to a few of us. An email, and it was an internal AT&T email. I, I, I don't have a copy of it. Detailing the just one step after the other, like uh, the government was purposely attempting to make it difficult for this man to come down there. And it's the amazing. Way, no, but, I, 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 you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, what's interesting is even for certain jobs in this country, I mean, if you want to come in from another country for certain, you know, high-level jobs, it's not always easy to, to do the paperwork and get it done here either. But if you cross the border illegally, you're in. So, yeah, yeah. no, I agree with you. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we have to stop people from crossing the border and coming in illegally. I mean, we have to be a legal situation created for that. And um, I'm all for having the wall. I'm all for making sure that we – reduce the number of illegal people coming in here because it's, it's not good for the country. So it's not good for them I, I, either. Now, now since you touched on the politics, fine. It's open season here. So one of, one of the topics for discussion was why is the homeless epidemic or pandemic more in democratic cities and states 
than in Republican cities and states? That's an easy one to answer. I mean, the, <laughs> the progressive Democrats uh, allow it to happen because they feel that the homeless people have a right to sleep on the streets, you know, and, uh, and that's it. So either, either you stay on the streets uh, or you go into, uh, into shelters. But the shelters, you go in, you sleep there, and a lot of times you go in, you get mugged, and you get robbed. So a lot of these people don't even want to go into those shelters. So, and yeah, they allow it to happen and on their clock, and they won't, they won't do anything about it. The same thing with the subway. Why does Mayor de Blasio allow homeless people to make the subways their homes? It's the same thing. He feel, For whatever reason, he feels it's, it's immoral to remove them off the subways. Now, there's a law that says if, there, if the homeless are a danger to themselves or a danger to other people, he needs to remove them. But he just won't follow the law. In his own mind, he thinks he's doing the right thing by leaving them in the subways and on the streets. And unfortunately, he couldn't be more wrong about it. Well, I have to tell you, and you probably know this already, but I, I have a feeling most of the audience and most people do not know this. There's a city... In Alabama, I lived in Canada. There's a city in, uh, in central Canada called Medicine Hat, Alberta. It's the first Canadian city that has eliminated homeless. And how they did it was anyone who spends 10 days in a shelter or the streets, they provide housing, put everything. As a matter of fact, the city that started, as, you know, they started building new homes for homeless in 2009 and they have moved nearly 900 people off the streets the city absorbed twenty thousand dollars a year to house homeless people and uh so what about they, the ones that are mentally ill what do they do with them according to the report that i uh the research that i that i did it doesn't matter if you're uh, mentally or uh, they provide you with a home, you know, and, and do and they get rehabilitation? According to, according to the city. Yes. According okay. to the city. Yes. It's the first city that, and, and, and again, this tip was provided by one of our listeners who's actually oh. on the line. I don't know if she wants to, uh, Eight one three. I would like to ask Michael a question. Yes, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. Yes, uh, you provided that, and I did my research on it. And and, and, and thank you for that. Uh, go ahead. Uh, thank question you. for Michael. Okay. Yes, Michael. In uh, the early nineties in New York City, there were programs called Housing First and Pathways to Housing. I don't know what's happening with that and if that still exists. But the idea of Housing First, that's what inspired um, Medicine Hat Alberta to eradicate um, homelessness there in that Canadian town. And uh, I, I'm, my question is, do you know if this still exists in New York? Nothing like that exists in New York, no. I mean, right now, um, even the affordable housing programs they have right now, there are, there's like a long list of names of people that want to get into affordable housing and they just can't do it um, because it's just they don't have the money for it. So, no. But and, you know, when you're talking about smaller cities... It, there's more of a massive economic cost of having homeless people in the streets because whenever they need to go uh, for medical care to emergency rooms to be hospitalized or rehabilitated, yep. it, it it's actually um, better to put them in, in uh, housing than to keep them on the street. It costs more to keep them on the street than to, um, than to actually house them. And oh, yeah, since right. the year 2000, globally, I mean, not globally, but in, throughout the United States, we had only 170,000 homeless people approximately. And in 2010, it went to 554,000. Now, supposedly, yep. it's 567,000. But, of course, that's going to increase because of uh, the pandemic, because people can't work. They can't pay their rent. That's why we're having the rent strikes in New York. 
and um, going to go throughout the United States, too, because they can't pay their rent because they can't work. And, of mm-hmm. course, it's more, there's going to be more homeless people. It's going to keep on increasing. And um, I don't understand why the politicians can't work together and come in agreement that this is this has to be a priority for the people, and, you know, for the homeless people and for the, the people that, that, you know, potentially can become homeless. Well, as long as you have uh, progressive Democrats, as long as you have progressive Democrats, that are running these cities and believe that the homeless have a right to stay on the streets. Uh, the most of most of the homeless people that are mentally ill that are on the streets are not are going to elect to stay on the streets and they're not going to want to get help. And most of them don't want help. They want to stay on the streets because they're they're not, they're not 100% there. They're not capable of making decisions for themselves. And as long as you have those types of the ideology uh, with these politicians, it's not going to change. That's why we need to vote these politicians out of office. You need right. to vote politicians in that understand the problem, get it, and are willing to do something about it. Right. So, I mean, at least there's some hope. There's some hope based on, on this Canadian city. And, by the way, uh, Alberta, central Canada, it's a very, very, very uh, – a lot of oil and gas, you know, tar sands. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very oil-driven uh, state. Oh, province, what they uh, how they call it, which in, may in, in which may country. not be so good right now. <laughs> with, that that with the oil, exactly, with, with exactly, the amount of oil, oil we have now. Exactly. Um, what what is the the age range of of homeless individuals? Because I I keep hearing or looking at the research I did, it, they're getting younger. Younger people are becoming homeless today. What's your uh, your feedback on that? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, you have a lot. I mean, you have quite a few people that are 50s, 60s, 70s that are on the street. Uh, you have families now that have kids, you know, that are that are homeless on the streets. Um, yeah, you have a lot more that are in their 20s and 30s that are mentally ill that are that are living on the streets. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I walk around. I see it all the time. I talk to people all the time on the streets, some of which you can't speak to because they're so ill, mentally ill. You can't really have a conversation with them. And it's a very, very, very sad, very, very sad situation. It really is when you speak they, to them. And some of them you can speak to. They, they... I'm what was the question? A A one three. There's more than twenty thousand young adults homeless throughout the United States now in twenty twenty. Yeah, okay. it's definitely, a, it's a growing population. Uh, a lot of them are mentally ill. You know, they're on drugs or alcoholics. They need help. And we don't, have, we don't have the rehabilitation programs that we need to help these people. We give up on them. We allow them to say, we, I want to stay on the street. I don't want help. And see, right now there's a law in the book that says that if a person is homeless and they want to stay on the street, they have to be left on the street unless they're a danger to themselves and a danger to other people. It's a terrible law. Needs right. to be changed. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I ACL, say, uh, ACLU, by the way, ACLU fought for that law. Uh, they didn't help well, the homeless people with that surprised. law, that's for sure. I want to say, although I'm not a world traveler like Cisco, I've been to places <laughs> like, like Portland, Maine, yes. and uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. And here's where I'm, I'm wondering, what's the racial breakdown of the homeless because yeah, in those that, two cities I mentioned, everyone was exclusively mm-hmm. white and elderly. Mm-hmm. Although I, the last few trips to Portland, uh, as the guest was saying, as, as that madam was saying, I'm seeing more and more younger homeless people. Mm-hmm. I feel I for these people. I, I, I give out food, cigarettes, money, mm-hmm. coffee, Portland, Oregon. In the morning, I was buying about uh, a dozen big coffees for a dozen homeless guys because the Dunkin' Donuts in downtown Portland was the first place to open about 5.36 a.m., so all the homeless guys rushed in there because guess what? It's mm-hmm. cold up there. Yes. And, uh, I wonder, does anyone have any racial uh, statistics on this? Well, in Oregon, you talking about a Maine or you talking about New York? No, I'm talking about for the homeless population. Uh, how how does it stack up 
disproportionate. The majority of the overall, the majority of homeless are minorities. The majority of homeless are African American and Hispanic, and you know that's the majority well, of them. So, city. in the city, yeah. of course, because the yeah. majority of the population, I believe, would be uh, minority folks. But uh, you go outside the big cities, or I would think mm-hmm. even in San Francisco, from what I've been hearing. Uh, a lot of white folks in there, and, and I've seen it. You know, I've seen like in uh, Nashville, they were going through a construction site to try and find scrap metal. Well, I mean, so, um, you know, when people go through difficult times in their lives. Doesn't matter, you know. I mean, every doesn't matter what your color is. You know, you go through difficult times in your lives. I mean. Things like this right. happen where you lose your house and uh, you lose your job, your house. Maybe you go through a terrible divorce. Maybe you're using drugs or you're, you're losing a lot of more alcohol and you're on the streets. And uh, the government, you know, again, what I've been saying all along in this conversation is the government does not do anything to rehabilitate these people. There's no priority right. to help these people. These people are in last place. Just like when it comes to the, to the test, to test to see if they have the virus, they, you know, they weren't even testing them in the beginning. They, they ignored them as if they weren't a problem. And they're the ones that the homeless people probably have done the most to pass this virus around, which right. is very sad. We Extremely. have a situation with the veterans as well, because there's approximately 20, no, there's actually over 20,000 veterans that are homeless throughout the United States. And in California mm-hmm. alone, there's 10,000, no, almost 11,000, 10,980. New York has, According to my statistic records, 1,270, and Florida has more, almost 2,500. Right. Isn't that a great way? Isn't that a great way we thank our veterans? We thank our veterans by letting them die on the street. Well, the thing is, the thing is that they make it difficult. Yes, there are programs to help the homeless veterans. But there's so many papers that they ask for, and there's uh, so many questions that they have to answer and legwork that they have to do, and they get very discouraged. Sometimes they'll ask them for information that they won't even remember or that they cannot, they do not have access or cannot get the the form, the document, whatever it is that, that they're demanding to comply in order for it to be approved. I know because I, I try to help some veterans. And uh, right now I have one veteran that's homeless, and he went from Florida to Indiana, and, um, you know, he got tired of of the things that I was telling him that he had to do, the things that he had to get, because they don't make it easy. They make it difficult, and it, it gets very discouraging. And it's also the same thing not just for the veterans, but for the people that are homeless. Because in the 90s when they had these programs, you know, there weren't so many things that you had to comply with, and it didn't matter if you had a, a mental condition or if you had an addiction. But, you know, of course, like Michael said, we have to vote out the politicians. But yes. the thing, the, the situation with the veterans is heartbreaking because, you know, it shouldn't be this way. Mm-hmm. Well, great point, A1. Uh, Michael, Michael. Can you give us your oh, website or uh, somewhere we can contact? Is is there things that yeah, you know? Are... Absolutely. It's www.centralparkcivicassociation.com. Again, that's www.centralparkcivicassociation.com. And I can anybody who wants to reach out to me is more than welcome to. Definitely. And and, and where exactly is the Central Park South? I, for individuals that are, that are not familiar with um, New York. So, oh, Central Park. So Central Park South would be is Midtown, pretty much. So right. it's like in the fifties and sixties and seventies. All right. So you're 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 right near uh, right near um, the entrance of Central Park on Fifty Seventh Street. Yes. Well, yeah. Got it. Well, I, I have a residence not too yeah uh, not too far from the park. And uh, but we're 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 all about the city. It doesn't have to just be Central Park area. We're all about you know de- dealing with all the major issues that impact uh, our residents in the city that are that the politicians are ignoring. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael. 
it's been a pleasure, really uh, very informative, and, and definitely we would love, love to have you back. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And, uh, oh, go ahead. Go what ahead. was that? No, no I, just I was just going to say, say have, a, have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. We're sponsored All right. by Students for a Better Future. Definitely. Thank you. Doreen Ann, thank you again. Thank you for that, Mark. Appreciate it. Have a good night, and next week we'll have another special guest on the Cisco and Falzone Hour broadcast and podcast. God bless America. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.